seen a lot of uh, Scottish football on television uh, back in Holland. And uh, of course, uh, you see a fantastic uh, arena here. So, I mean, it was, it was uh, interesting to come to uh, Scotland and uh, play for Celtic. Hello and welcome to the Vitamin Celtic podcast, the daily Vitamin Celtic podcast. My name is Lawrence Donegan, friend of Tim Burgess. Uh, I'm joined today, as I'm joined every day by my good pals, Mr. Paul Thompson and Remy McSwain. How are you doing, Remy? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm looking forward to the By The Minute Celtic Twitter Tim's listening party. Ah, <laughs> very good. So, uh, Paul, how are you doing, pal? Uh, I'm, I'm basking in the glory because my daughter said to me, I didn't realise you did a podcast with Tim Burgess's pal. <laughs> <laughs> You should have said he was a bit of a charlatan, though. <laughs> <laughs> like he's the only one I know. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, here we are, uh, daily podcast. Uh, quite a lot happening today. Sorry, I'm just trying to recover here. Uh, quite a lot happening uh, in UEFA uh, and elsewhere. Uh, I guess the the kind of main well, the, the main Celtic news is that Jeremy Frimpong did a Instagram. Just <laughs> <Did> a cute <laughs> Instagram. Who, here you go, Remy, you wouldn't have seen it, but I'm going to ask you to guess. Who would Jeremy Frimpong most like to be isolated with? Amongst the Celtic playing staff. James Forrest. Incorrect. Paul? Uh, Neil Lennon. No. Ryan Christie. There you go. Uh, the other one I was interested I don't didn't believe it I think he's just been modest he was asked who would win the sprints between him and Jamesy Forrest and he said Forrest that's not right is it Frimpong's quicker than Forrest Rem you'll know you've heard the gossip you've got, you've got <laughs> no, all the training I would, I would, I would say he looks he, he's quicker than Forrest uh, but it depends I suppose it would maybe depend on the distance Um anyway he's lightning quick it's actually really good I really like Frimpong I think he's great great to have around the place I uh, good, good, good. Seems like a good kid. Uh, he's learning Dutch, apparently. Uh, where is he? Is he? Is he from? I know he's a Dutch international player. Uh, is he from England? I don't know. Do you know Paul? From oh, but I know he's Dutch international, but I didn't realise he didn't speak Dutch. Well, he moved to he moved to England when he was about seven, I think. Was it? Aye. Um, here, uh, so there's that. Uh, other news, I mean, I guess the main Celtic news is uh, that, I'm um, looking here, Celtic place, I'm looking at the record here, Celtic place staff on furlough as Hoops become latest club to slash cost. Well, we slaughtered uh, Spurs about that yesterday. So what's the difference, Paul? We, I mean, Spurs, Newcastle, Celtic, Hamilton, it's not a, it's not a good group to be in, is it? Not particularly, no. Uh, I think the... I guess the only difference in, is that we can make out from the other clubs that have been announced is Celtic have been keen to stress that they're going to pay up to the 100% of the salary. So I think the government scheme picks up 80% of the furloughed staff salary. And, uh, and Celtic have said, well, they'll make sure that none of the, the staff involved are financially disadvantaged. So for that point of view, that's the difference. But yeah, I agree, it's, it's not a good look. It, at a time when 
we've been speculating for the last week or so about whether there would be wage cuts or wage deferments coming for the, the higher earners at the club. And let's make it clear, the guys who are going through this process today it will not be the higher earners at the club. Uh, it just feels a little bit, I feel quite a little bit like I felt about the Spurs thing yesterday. You know, it feels a little bit out of touch. Uh, we've got the high earners that are going to be, unless there's a further announcement to come, but at the moment it feels like it's uh, the little guys that are bearing the brunt. I know they're financially they're not going to lose out, but it's still not going to be a particularly great process for those people who have to go through. I'm working professionally with some of the implications of this at the moment, and it's not nice having to tell people that you know they're being sent home and they're being followed. So that's that's kind of sad, sad day. Well, it's just that's the kind of messaging of it. I just don't, I, I don't get it. I mean, if you look at, I've been blown away by uh, this boy at Aberdeen, this McCormack guy. He'll probably turn out to be a complete shyster, you know, a year down the line. But the whole thing about Aberdeen, you know, it's all the kind of the top earners are, are they're the ones that appear to me. Goodness knows what's going on behind the scenes at Aberdeen, but the kind of top earners are kind of putting themselves forward to, you know, to shoulder quite a lot of the burden. You know, even in terms of me- messaging, and I in the reality of doing it is good, but in terms of just the messaging, I, maybe Paul's right. Right? Maybe there's, maybe that's just only the first shoe. There'll be a, another shoe to drop soon. I would expect that there will be going by what Lennon said the other night but do you know what I'd rather they'd done it all at the one time yeah it's weird so isn't it so that it did look as if they were all in it together um, I, I, you know, I can see that if you're an admin let's say for example and I'm, I'm not picking on you let's say you work in the ticket office for example now we can't be doing any tickets or any tickets of any magnitude because we're not selling tickets for any games so you could see why you might be furloughed but the way it's been handled you know again it looks as if they've picked on a little guy and the players are escaping it and I, and I don't think the players will escape it but you know what would have been the harm in hanging on for a few days till they made an announcement about the whole club I don't think you're in good company when you're in with Newcastle and Spurs uh, no uh, n- not a good look but anyway uh, as I say I expect there'll be m- more to come uh, look, just looking through the uh, Scottish landscape, what we got, Paul? We've got Hearts pay cuts, Hibs pay cuts, Aberdeen. Uh, I get confused. Pay cuts, deferrals. What's, uh, the, what's the difference then? I mean, I don't know what the difference is, but so if, uh, if I take a pay cut or if I take a deferral, I mean, why are some clubs doing deferrals and some clubs doing pay cuts? Explain that to me. Usually, well, kind of in wider, wider terms, it's usually down to the fact that you've got people who are more likely to accept a deferral than a pay cut. I mean, a, a, a cut in this uh, scenario, I would imagine, will be for a defined period of time. So they'll look at the contractual obligations and say, look, we need you to take a pay cut till we've got revenue coming in again, for example. So mm-hmm. we forecast we're going to play again in August. That means we need you April, May, June, July to take a pay cut. Whereas some of the other ones might look at it and say, and I think it's particularly this is what they're looking at in England, where they've got bigger earners who are less likely to be flexible about it, they might say, well, we've got the buying power here. No, you know, you're in breach of contract. You just let me let me go for my contract with their valuable assets. So they, in that scenario, they'll be looking to say, well, actually, we'll just we'll defer it just now, but we'll pay you back when this is all over. 
a cut, you don't get it back. I mean, a cut, you, you you lose that percentage for the period that you lose it for. A deferral, you get it back at the end. Um, yeah, but I'm just curious as to why some clubs are, are doing it one way and other clubs are doing it the other way. I guess if I'm running a club, I can see how much I get away with, and if the players buy it, then the players in the club. Well, if you stand. take if you take Aberdeen for example, I think they're looking at deferrals. I think Hibs are as well. They've they've got Scottish Cup money to come in, yeah. right? Uh, and Aberdeen probably will have a couple of European ties to come in early in the next season, whenever that is played. So they have income streams that they've not been paid for. So they are deferring it. I mean, if you take the SFA, have all taken pay cuts, I believe. The ASRU have all taken deferrals, which is weird. But, you know, it's as Paul says, it's easier to get a deferral through than a cut. It's interesting when you think the four names they've called out there, Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen, Celtic, you know, that's that's the makeup of the last four. So theoretically that's the teams in Scotland who stand to generate the most revenue between now and the end of the season. So it's quite interesting there's been relative silence for most of the rest of the teams. Because uh, you know, those are the four teams that as you say that have got or did have big Hamden days to look out for, maybe one, maybe two, and you know, cumulatively potentially the, the most games that would bring in revenue. Um Anyway, we'll see. Hopefully, there'll be, as I say, there'll be further announcements from Celtic uh, down the line. Uh, there's not much other Celtic news, although get this, Paul, right? So, the podcast started, maybe the podcast started 10 minutes ago, right? That Muppet, he's on, he's on Twitter having conversations with people. I've just discovered it. What Muppet? You, right? The um, So, Barca Boy, that's actually, this is a good one. Uh, Barca Boy just tweeted out uh, his worst all-time Celtic eleven. I, I take it, but the fact that you're raising this means you're on Twitter. No, no, but I'm looking for stories to talk about. That's the thing, That's <laughs> the, right? The uh, so the worst all-time Celtic eleven from uh, our pal Barca boy. Uh, who's Sanchez Broto? I've never heard Broto. Broto. He played about six or seven games in two thousand and three. I I'd have to pull. I'd pull that one up, by the way, because yeah. I I reckon that if Broto had had hadn't he been cup tied that season. I don't think we would have lost in Seville the way we lost. There's a Sproto's nowhere near the worst goalkeeper we've got. But I, uh, he always if, you, if you look at somebody like Ian Andrews, Broto was. I, I know he didn't play a lot of games, but he was far more competent than he was. I, I have no recollection of this fella. Where, where did we get him from? Livingston. He, 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 he was. We signed him in the Seville season, and he played. Douglas got dropped. We about six, seven games to go before Seville, but Douglas had to play in Europe because Broto had got cup tied playing for Livingston. They won the League Cup the year before. Oh, that's right. So, so Livingston qualified for Europe. He played one game or one leg, sorry, two legs in, in Europe for Livingston, but that cup tied him for us when he, he signed for us before the end of the transfer window that year. And it meant that when we got to Seville, Douglas had to come back into the team. So he'd been dropped for the league games. He came back in for the UEFA Cup games and the rest is history. Uh, so Barca's got that wrong. Back four of... Again, I think there's a bit of... Oh, I've lost a bloody thing now. There's a bit of a recency bias here. Uh, he's got Sadie y- Yanko at right back. He was pretty bad, wasn't he? Dreadful player. Um, who has he got? So he's got Sadie Yanko, Marvin Comper, Raphael Scheid. 
Shite. Braffield. I can't. Oh, I can't remember him. What was his first name again? Edson. Yeah. Only technically the only Celtic player ever to win a ever play in a World Cup final. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, midfield. I'd be, I'd be looking to find space for Tyler Blackett in there. Oh, he was bad, wasn't he? Listen, Dewey. Where's Dewey? <laughs> Dewey yeah. is yeah. the worst centre half that's ever played for Celtic, and I include Paul McGugan in that. What? But did did either of you ever see a Shite play? Shite, whatever his name is. Yes. Right. Right. How do you look? Shite. <laughs> I don't, honestly, I mean, he, he was he was nondescript. He was certainly wasn't a six million pound, but uh, he wasn't he was horrendous. horrendously slow. Aye, but yeah, but Dewey was just you know on every level was the worst player I've ever seen in a Celtic jersey. Because uh, Shite came over, I think the Brazilian coach at the time got done for it. He he was what was going on was he was given uh, Brazilian players like bang average Brazilian players. He was giving them caps. Aye. To inflate their transfer values. We and, never watched them either. We, we signed them off a video. We never watched them. Oh no, I think I, I think we sent we sent. I, I mean, I know of it, I'm not named the person, but I, 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 we sent at least one person out to have a look at yeah. them. I think the. Uh, um, so when was Stevie Wonder scouting for us? Well, the uh, I don't like Stevie Wonder jokes. But, uh, <laughs> the uh, the anyway. Did you see him, Remy? You must have seen him. You go every game. Oh, every day. Oh, if so, he, didn't, he didn't play that many games. I mean, he had a couple of all right games, but he was, he was, as Paul said, he never looked like a player of that value. Um, midfield of, uh, he's playing a 4 4 2. Is that how we pronounce the name? The Dutch fella. Yeah. Eva, Evander Snow was a decent player. Snow was all right. Yeah. Um, Willow Flood. Martin Hayes, what about that uh, midfield? <laughs> How far is that taking you in Europe? Yeah, well, it wouldn't even take you anywhere in Scotland. It's terrifying. I'd, uh, I'd, I'd challenge Snow and I'd, I'd forcefully put Mike Galloway into that team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I remember Boriger's first. Was it, I think his first game was against Ross County. I think. Yeah, he went off injured. And he that went, summed him up. But he, I mean, he played for about thirty minutes, and he looked world class. I mean, he looked lightning fast. I think he scored, didn't he? No, he didn't score. Did he not? Anyway, he looked great. Uh, up front, Skepovic and Amido Baldi. Any complaints yes, about yeah. that? Yes, Bangura must be in that. Skepovic. Camera was terrible as well. Only camera was terrible. The. Uh, didn't Baldy score a worldie against Liverpool at Croke? Uh, is it Croke Park? It wasn't at Croke Park. I think it was a well, friend. A Viva, I. It was a friend like a Viva he scored. Um, yeah. So, poor. I think he's had about 75 clubs since then. Anyway, sorry, diversion. Uh, so, that's. Uh, that's it. Any other Celtic news, Paul? Do you spot anything? I think I think the key thing today was the the furlough stuff. I think that took up most of our, our time when we were doing our, our our intensive prep for the podcast. Hi. <laughs> uh, the uh, the uh, Davy Farrell, uh, been on this podcast. Uh, he's got a good blog about um, about you know what he thinks should happen and his disappointment about the way things are turning out. Uh, good stuff. Uh, you can search it out. I think Davy's on Twitter, and the links there. 
Uh, I guess the uh, the big news is that a uh, big, as proper big news, I guess UEFA that they are requiring us. It's like King Canute, you know. <laughs> right, if you don't do this, you better. And they, you know, they change it every week. Um, so August the third, all domestic leagues. They want all domestic leagues uh, completed by August the third. I mean, none of us are. Um, epidemiologists or medical experts August the 3rd though Paul I, I mean on the face of it it does sound a bit more sensible it means you could start playing football first week in July and get it done theoretically yeah I mean that you would need well we got nine games well I'm assuming that just applies to leagues and the associations would need to decide what they're doing with the cups as well but certainly we've got eight games left to play there's nine games you know, nine rounds of fixtures to get played and for some teams. So uh, you could do that in four weeks. But again, you're assuming that there's no interruption to any of the teams for any sort of illness-related reasons. I think that's the thing that, that you know, takes the theory and makes it a bit worrying is if you're in this place where you've got automatic quarantines and isolations that, that kick in, if anybody tests positive, then what does that do to a squad? If you presumably the teams would need to get back together for a period of time before the game started, you know, you'd need to do some kind of preparation and training, and you know, almost like we talked before about a mini pre season. So, what happens if some point during that or some point during the games it flares up again? Rem, August the 3rd. Well, it kind of backs up that we were saying there was no chance we were playing football in May or June. Um, on the face of it, it's it looks more realistic. But again, there's, there's nothing set in stone. It's a it's an aspiration. I mean, if you if you take today in in Scotland, they they've uh, you know they've just cancelled the, all the Edinburgh festivals, yeah, which take place in August. So you know Wimbledon's been cancelled for June. So what's what's so if they're cancelling big sporting events in June and the biggest event in Scotland in August wh- what's going to be different about July um, I, I, I've got to say I've, I've got my doubts but uh, it, you know it depends on the people like us and all the people who are listening staying at home and hoping that it goes down a lot quicker than was originally projected because uh, there's several differences between the Edinburgh Festival and and Scottish Premier League. <laughs> well, but there is, but I mean, you know, are they going to? Are they? I mean, you've got the Scottish players or some Scottish teams, and the head of the the sort of players rep in the PFA again today, Liam Craig, saying doesn't want to play behind closed doors. Right. So, are they going to let sixty thousand Celtic fans? If you take, if you take. The fixtures that have still to be fulfilled. You get two semi-finals and a final at Hamden. They'll the three of them would sell out, right? So you're going to have people travelling from Aberdeen, people travelling from Edinburgh. Yeah, nah, you're right. right. And plus, Celtic's got a big support. You're going to have two Celtic Rangers games, and Celtic have got three other home games, and everyone will be could probably be a league decider. So you have sixty thousand at them as well. I just, I just don't see how they're going to do it. I mean, I, I'm desperate for it to start back up again, but it's got to be safe. 
But I, this is why I don't understand. I mean, is the the players are so? Is that a negotiating position? Do you think? It's just. It seems. I, I think the guy had a point. Even he says we're not allowed to train with our teammates. Right now, he said he would. They would review it. And it was the situation evolved, and but right now you couldn't play a closed doors game because they're not allowed to train together. So I, I do take his point until it's safe for them to go back and train. I mean, you you had that the EPL when you know they're all going to be staying in individual quarantine hotels and only play at one ground, and that ground might might be the England. Uh, what was the name of it again, Paul? St George's Park. George's Park. That's it. They might they might be there. I mean. I, I just, I'd love to see it happen because in an ideal world we do we would play out the season, but it's a it's looking less and less likely. But b, how many clubs will still be around in July to play? Uh, yeah, oh, it's actually I almost had a when you were talking there, Raymond. It was all beginning to. <laughs> yeah, right. You're absolutely dead right. It just seems so. Not trivial, but it does seem kind of trivial, doesn't it? But, I mean, what do you do? I mean, what do you do? Are you, I mean, I, I kind of get a sense, and I, it's only a sense that the whole kind of null and void thing is, is picking up a bit of momentum. I think people are looking at it, it sounds pretentious, but people are looking at it all a bit existentially and going, does this stuff really matter? I, 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 think, the, I think you're right in... That respect, I think where that probably falls down is in the fact that you've still got what we've talked about a couple of times. You've got all these kind of avaricious corporate interests that are involved in football across Europe, particularly that just won't. Well, put it to they'll either won't let it happen from a perspective of it's not financially sensible to let it, or. The other way, because they'll be interested looking at it, hoping it will happen because they'll get their money. You know, we talked about Canal Plus the other night. I'm sure Sky and BT are looking at this with some interest and thinking, well, we're losing money hand over fist because we've had to cancel our subscriptions and suspend all our subscriptions. We'll just recoup that for the clubs if they didn't play the games. And I think that's the point where I don't think null and void happens. I think you could possibly argue that it would be easier to settle for a reduction in the season, shut the season now, you know, where we started three weeks ago, uh, because actually then you only have to pro rata pay back, you know, 20% of your TV fees uh, and your, your associated costs, etc. But if you have to pay a whole season's worth for clubs that are on the brink of failure as it stands, I don't think that's sustainable across Europe. I think you'd, you'd be looking at, you know, wild scale, so wide scale buckling of the the entire football system across Europe. If that happened, no and void. It also breaks the it breaks the trust with the fan. You know, why would you possibly buy another season ticket if this could happen again? Remy, uh, I think. I mean, UEFA have said no and void is is not on the table, but I think. UEFA are predominantly talking about the big leagues because of the TV money and sponsorship uh, that would need to be reimbursed. But you know, it, it's been said for a long time that the SPFL is not looking at null and void because they can't. If they null and void it, they can't distribute any prize money. And the Scottish teams 
need that prize money because we don't have big TV money. Um, so if we can't play it and we're not going to null and void it, there's only one option. Um, and at some point, they're going to have to, t- to make a call and whether that's going to drag on for another week or two um, because I don't think the SPFL want to go first. Yeah. The, the, the only other scenario I can, it's sort of halfway house that I can see that if it goes on the table, again, probably wouldn't be popular, at least in the south side of Glasgow, but they've still got the option that we started with three weeks ago, which is you play to 33. So if, if you can get any football played, you just finish up to 33 games and everybody's played each other three times because you're not going to be able to get the, the season. That That's an optimistic one in itself, even thinking that you could get two or three rounds of fixers played, but it would be manager, easier to manage three games than it would be to manage eight. Anyway, we'll, that, we, we, what's, we, we couldn't lose the league. That's what I mean. Uh, but, but it, we, what it would do, it would allow the Hearts relegation issue to be resolved. The um, the other thing was, I saw there's some, I've seen various studies, but there's uh, a statistical analysis of the rest of the season. <laughs> Celtic, I think, are, well, I think the Celtic are 100 to 1 on at the bookies. I saw that today, some 100 to 1. Yeah. Uh, and uh, nine to some statistical study, 99 point something percent uh, certainties to win the league. Uh, yeah, that's Chris Park's putting his gambling money. Uh, here, th- I was thinking about this earlier on. Give me a scenario where we don't win the league, Remy. Let's in, just, in what way? Well, we don't win the league. Right, say the league. All the, so the argument is, oh, well, it's not Celtic haven't won the league. What would be? I'm trying to imagine the circumstance. You know, how could we lose enough games? We we can't. That's just what I mean. You know that there's there's only Hearts are making waves because of their own issues, and and you know what? I can understand that. And uh, you know, putting an extra two teams in the league would resolve that issue if that's the way around. That you know, the other they've got a point. One one point one percent chance of winning the league. Everybody knows Celtic have won the league. Everybody knows it. Do you know what was so, really interesting today? Just when, sorry, just reminding me of something. I don't know if either you saw the Dundee United statement. So Dundee United are going through the the furlough thing as well. Uh-huh. Uh, they they put a line in their statement which was very very telling. It basically talked about. We just want to reassure everybody. We we've set up to to gain promotion. We've performed on the pitch. We're geared up off the pitch, and we fully expect to be promoted. Uh, and it was more. I can't. I've not got it in front of me, but it was more or less by whatever means necessary. So, in other words, you know, they're they're not going to settle for null and void. They were pretty much saying, "We've we've earned going up. We're going up." Regardless of legal challenges, is how I interpret it. So, I think they they think that there's going to be either. Promotion and relegation, which rules out null and void, or they reckon that they're going up, regardless of anybody else coming down. I don't think they really care, do they? They just went up, but they, they were making clear to their fans in their statement today, we're going up this season. Um, other Only other news, uh, I see Espanyol are starting to sell season tickets next week. That's a strange one, isn't it? Uh, again, I don't know, you guys are much more tuned into the finances of this kind of stuff. What's... What's that all about, Paul? How can you sell season tickets if you don't know what's coming? Well, I mean, 
they'll be looking at how they can generate revenue. So, so that's, I mean, theoretically, we're still selling season tickets, aren't we? I mean, we've never took the season tickets off the table that were launched four or five weeks ago. So you could argue to what to, to some extent that we're doing the same thing, albeit we fully expect that to be, you know, walked back in some way, as, as Remy mentioned earlier. But uh, I don't know, Remy, you, you, you had a theory on, on the timing of that, didn't you? I just, I just, I've got a feeling that as a revenue generator, but and it, you know they've got another month to prove to uh, to get their numbers into UEFA, so they could make their bank balance look healthier. Although they would have a deferred liability, I know that's a bit tediously dull. But who's who's got the money right now to bang six hundred quid in as a Season ticket. I mean, you probably could. I, mean, I don't know if they can take deposits or whether they've got credit card or credit arrangements. I have no idea. But right now, I've got to say, season tickets are the last thing on most people's mind. Uh, no matter how much they support their club, why? Why would you pay up front for a season you don't know how many games will be and when it's going to start and finish? The other thing is, if you if you're selling season tickets just to kind of scramble through the next couple of months what happens when you've got no money when the season starts I mean it's yeah. I mean when the, you know you've got to, obviously some players are going to be out of contract you're going to have to try and buy some players usually you use the season money certainly season book money for that but if you've spent it just to keep going it just seems oof, high wire stuff isn't it and the thing is when the, the when the, the previous incarnation went pop, they had a big meeting about whether they should actually sell season tickets for 2011-12 because there was a threat of insolvency and they were having to ring-fence the money and release it on a game-by-game basis. So if they are teetering on the precipice, any season ticket money they get, they might not be able to use. Anyway, we'll see what happens there. So we've got that's basically that's my... Um... Any news from England? Nothing. No, nobody get anything. Uh, this, the uh, so with, with Liam Craig, uh, we talked about that the no closed door thing. Uh, again, I get I would mind that. I, I, again, I'd, we might have talked about it, but there would be a. It'd be quite good if football was able to provide because we're all stuck indoors. There's, I mean, it's we're all getting a bit. You know, not everybody's lucky enough to be able to do a daily podcast. <laughs> 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 Not everybody's lucky enough to be able to search the internet all morning for stuff to talk about on a daily podcast. No, I, I again, that's my. Uh, clo- I'd like the closed door thing, uh, and I, I think it's you know, given the massive sweep of what's going on, it seems. I mean, obviously there are several, many lo- logistical issues with it, but they seem quite small in comparison to other other issues. Yeah, right, Rem, about... It. But the Edinburgh Festival is, I mean, you know, a million or two million people coming from all all over the world to one city for a, you know, a, you know, a week or two weeks and then dispersing back around the world. I mean, sounds like a coronavirus festival, you know. Uh, so that's right, probably... So if we've got a, a Scottish Cup final for a quadruple treble, you know, I think people will be coming from all over. The, I mean, you might even rock up <laughs> to get your usual free ticket, right? So, you know, you get all the buses coming for Ireland. You've got the 
the buses coming up from England. There'll be people coming from all over the place. And and it won't just be for that game. You've got semi-finals and you've got two, two against the Rangers. I just think July, as it stands, looks very, very optimistic to play football in front of crowds. I think when you're, you're at a point, <laughs> talking to July, where, I mean, the Orms Lodge are all, already started talking about not being able to do their walks in July. So, oh, got it. If, if, they're, <laughs> well, if they're not even prepared to get together, then can what hope have the rest of us got? So, no, I, I, July just feels, you know, the, the news are in Wimbledon and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's all the same picture. It's anything that seems to be likely to be bringing large numbers of people together feels like the wrong thing to be bringing forward. The only realistic plan you could put in place at the moment, either north of the border or uh, or down south, would be behind closed doors. I, I, I can't see any other scenario that would be acceptable. Apart from anything else, the, the, the pure drain on emergency services of having 60,000 people in the place as opposed to having under 100, it kind of feels wrong that if we're still in the middle of any kind of, you know, state of alert or state of emergency that you would pull ambulances and pull doctors and nurses and, you know, police, whoever, uh, away from, let's face it, far more important stuff. Uh, anyway, well, uh, before we wrap it up, uh, a few other bits and bobs. Uh, we were going to try an April Fool's. Uh, <laughs> the joke was that, uh, that we just... Classic Harry Brady, too busy. Uh, we we're going to have Harry on. He was going to announce that he was uh, launching a, a fan takeover <laughs> of Celtic. He was going to put himself as the chief executive. That would have been funny. Uh, anyway, uh, that n- never happened. Uh, the other thing, uh, what about... Uh, it's been a while since we've had our Netflix streaming and recommendations. Have you got anything for us, Paul? Uh, no, I'm, I'm still going through The Shield just now, which uh, I've been going through by... Back, uh, back seasons of the Shield because that's all free on all four at the moment. If you're looking for anything to watch, so that that's been a a, a program that I never watched at the time, and it's one of those box sets that everybody's been telling me to watch. So that's been my uh, my that, and then then I'm back onto Parks and Recreation after that. The uh, mention of Wimbledon, uh, there's if you go to Roger Federer's Twitter feed, there's a like a one minute or forty five second video. Federer goes out. He's obviously back home in Switzerland. And he goes out, it's the snow, and he's, he's got a hitting wall in his house, or outside in his garden or whatever. And it's Roger Federer, 45 seconds, hitting trick shots off a tennis hitting wall. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, so search that out. I'd say Davy Farrell's blog is really good. Uh, I wish he'd write more. Um, I'd search that out. The other thing, Remy, uh, so the, the wee man's went into a, a gangster movie phase. So we've been watching gangster movies. We watched Goodfellas. He'd never seen that. And Goodfellas, he watched Casino. And then we watched The Godfather last night. I, phenomenal. The God, do you know what's watching, some, watching a movie with a 14-year-old? It's how, how much he laughs. You remember the bit in The Godfather where Sonny, uh, the sister's brother, uh, the sister's wife has beaten, beaten her up and Sonny... G- grabs a guy in the street and kicks him around the street and hits him over the head with a bucket and everything. Yeah. Uh, brilliant movie, by the way. But it's funny uh, how you know it's the wee man thinks it's almost he thinks it's funny. He thinks it's a kind of half comedy. 
Uh, so that's been really good. Uh, we've been watching. Are you Gary. doing the Godfather two tonight? We'll do the Godfather two tonight and tomorrow night. Oh, we might have to spread it over two nights. Too long. So the other thing, just if, if you're listening to this podcast tonight, switch off at ten o'clock for for Tim Burgess's Twitter listening party. It's Steve McQueen tonight. The oh, fantastic, brilliant Sprout album, which the, the second best album in 1985 after Easy Pieces. So, hi, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, no, it's <laughs> gen- genuinely an absolute classic, and it's Wendy Smith that's doing it. Who, you know, just is one of the most wonderful people that's ever walked the earth, as far as I'm concerned. So, just uh, I've just added Martin McAllen to the lineup. He's so, so <laughs> some bass players are willing to talk about their work. Um, the so there's that. Have you got any uh, streaming for us? Well, I'm I'm, uh, I'm crashing Ozark just now. Um, Series three just went up last week, but I'm I'm behind, so I'm on series two just now with a, a view to getting two and three finished by the weekend. Uh, that's, so, what, that's what I'm watching. I'm enjoying it. So there you go. Uh, that's your that's our streaming recommendations. Uh, get on the old gangster movie train. Uh, from, and I've been I've been over the over the last few days. I've been having I've been working my way through uh, Neil Young albums and uh, loving it. The, the good uh, ones. I- on, I saw it on the beach. I'd never even seen that. Is that a famous album? I'm not a huge Neil Young fan. Yeah, well, well, it's pretty famous. Eh? It was it was only out in uh, it was only out in vinyl for a long, long time, and then they stuck it out in CD a few years ago. Finally, um, I've got it in vinyl somewhere as well. But uh, it's it's just um, it is one of his. It's uh, that's to me that's his best album. Uh, well, that's what I think his best album today. That could change next week, but. It's a fantastic New York. The um, to tell the story, I walked into a, uh, where was it now? A Half Moon Bay Golf Course. I played around the golf. Walked back into the bar, and who's standing at the bar was Neil Young. Apparently, he's a big golfer. He keeps it quiet though, Remy. It's too embarrassing for him. Um, but he knows you. No, he doesn't know me. But anyway, here at, is that the start of the new uh, sort of California Super Group? That that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Here at the, uh, what do you think? Just finally, again, people have turned off by now, so it doesn't matter. The new Bob Dylan song, any right, right. Paul? It, it's a wee bit stream of consciousness, isn't it? It just feels a bit like talking about a list, list of people and a list of things. It's, I guess, if you're into Dylan, you know, I'm, I'm sure any new stuff's great, but he doesn't really do much for me, so no. Anyway, here uh, finally, the Paul, you're the you're in charge of the the GoFundMe. Uh, two days to go. What what's the latest? What are we at? What's going on? Uh, well, we uh, fantastically crashed through five grand earlier this afternoon, thanks to another fun another huge donation for somebody. Uh, chucked in a hundred quid for us, which was wonderful, and uh, and a, a whole range of other donations as well. Obviously, you know, no one is single any people out but we've had some some you know large and small donations which mean a hell of a lot to everybody so yeah that's uh, five two one five or something just now and we've still got a couple of days left so we've obviously you know our, our, our quiet target was five grand and we've met that so i think anything we get now is genuinely a bonus for the foundation so uh hopefully by the time tony comes on on friday we'll have a, a nice wee sum to, to share with him the uh here rem you were saying that there's a there's a, a groundswell Groundswell for us to keep the the daily podcast going. Groundswell. Aye, well, 
it's amazing. The most of the feedback is positive, and uh, well, that makes a change. Know, I know it does, and you know the, the thing is, you, you, I know you were joking, but not everybody's got a podcast to do. But right now, lots of people have got lots of podcasts to listen to, whether it's for their walk or to kill an hour at some point during the day, because you can't sit and watch telly all day, you know. Um, and people seem to like it, and they've got part is part of their daily routine, and you know they they. they there have been requests that we keep going. Uh, I don't think we'll be able to do that. There's just not, not enough to talk about, uh, unfortunately. Um, I think the, uh, what's the, the plan, Paul, is that Tony Hamilton's coming on on Friday and we'll we'll wrap it. And then we'll go to maybe a couple of days a week, something like that. I think I think it, aye, it'd be nice to do it a couple of days, a couple of the weekdays. It seems to be the weekdays that are popular with people because that's the days that they're, they're, they're looking to fill time. The weekends, obviously, you know, maybe they've got other things to to do in the house but uh, the weekend uh, sorry the weekdays if we could do a couple a week uh, it would be good <laughs> apart from an elsewhere perspective but we'd maybe feel like we weren't saying the same things over Aye. and over a different way so uh-huh. uh, we you know we wanted we said we'd keep it going as long as we could keep it entertaining but you know you know we're stretching it a bit the uh yeah there's only so many uefa announcements you can dance around here i've got an idea how about this then if the fundraiser get We'll keep the daily podcast going if the fundraiser gets to five million. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe the maybe the uh, Japanese sex pest guy with the Twitter feed he might come in with twenty million for us or something like that. Uh, are you are you a near hostess lady? <laughs> right. Okay, right. We that's it. So there you go. That's it. not again. Obviously, big news on UEFA. Uh, the stuff on the Celtic furlough stuff uh, and our Twitter, our, our streaming recommendations. That's about us for the day. Uh, we'll be back on tomorrow and again on Friday. We'll try and get uh, Harry Brady on tomorrow because I uh, want him because he's been a bit of a stalwart on the dailies. So it'll be good to get him before we uh, we before we shut it down. Uh, Paul, I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Paul, all the best. Cheers, mate. All the best. Remy. Remy. See you later, Paul. See you, Lawrence.